Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Uh, Shirley's joining us uh, virtually today, so good morning, Miss Shirley. Glad to see you. Okay, we are continuing with our study of the Gospel of John, and we're in John chapter 12 today, as Daniel read. Uh, as a side note, just please be in prayer for the Geisons. This week was a fairly miserable uh, week of sickness for them. Uh, they've all kind of gone through it, and some of them still are. And also, please remember, on Tuesday is Daniel's second cardiac ablation of the year. Uh, it's caused a lot of just difficulties, both physically and emotionally, Pray for healing, pray for success, pray for peace, uh, pray that, uh, that everything will go well uh, for them and with them. Uh, that's where uh, they are today at home healing. Uh, and just also pray that Daniel can actually have the surgery on Tuesday. That's a little bit in question right now because of his physical health. So please uh, join us in prayer for them. Okay, the scripture that Daniel read for us today, admittedly, I think it's very difficult to just start teaching out of that. Uh, because, and we've said it time and time again, and I, I'm going to continue to say it, uh, Daniel says it often, the Bible is an ancient scripture, relevant today, inspired by God. But it is written thousands of years ago to a people, humans, but in a much different culture than ours. And so context matters. Understanding where you are, what's going on, and kind of what's, what's, the, what, what's the vibe or whatever of what's going on in the scripture right then. It's really hard to just pick up, like in our case today, verse 37 of John chapter 12 and say, okay, let's get into it. Without knowing some of the details. And so this morning, as we look towards our primary text today of John 12, 37 through 50, I'm going to run through the entire chapter of, of John chapter 12 quickly to make sure that we understand the context. Here's the main point that I want to make today. Christianity is a daily, sometimes moment by moment, individual decision to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. It is a daily, sometimes moment by moment, individual, decisive decision to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what Christianity is. Today we're going to play a little bit of Bible tennis uh, both of our kids play tennis, and so we've gotten used to kind of doing this a lot, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that's how John chapter 12 is written, a bit as a tennis match. There is contrasting, contrasting, oh, 
responses to Jesus. In John chapter 12, there are continually back and forth like a tennis match. Submission, resistance. Submission, resistance. Submission, and it goes back and forth for the entire chapter. So I want to run through that chapter so we can see the tennis going on, the human tennis. Am I going to submit or am I going to resist to the Lord, or resist the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And then we'll get into our primary text for today, because without knowing the beginning, it's really hard to understand what we're trying to talk about today. John chapter 12, where we are in the book, it is the last chapter that John documents of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. Everything after John chapter 12 is private conversations with his disciples, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. John chapter 12, we've come to a culmination of Jesus' three-ish year public ministry. Also, John's gospel was most likely the very last gospel by far to be written. Most scholars think that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written 30, 40, 50 years prior to the gospel of John. So John, if you, just, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you read John, you're, it just feels different. Because John assumes that you know most of the stories. They've circulated. And now the question is, will you submit? You've heard the stories. You've seen the miracles. You witnessed the resurrection. Will you believe? Will you submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and be a follower to become Christian? Is the question of the Gospel of John. He uses all types of I am statements. Those are the ones that echo back to Moses and the burning bush. Who should I tell him? Tell him I am sent you. Tell him God himself sent you. And seven times in the Gospel of John, he uses I am statements to talk about himself. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the vine. On and on and on. So he uses I am statements. Jesus saying, I am God. Will you submit? He backs that up with miraculous events. Turning water to wine. Healing the blind man. Healing the lame. Curing sickness. Raising Lazarus from the dead. Will you submit? He uses powerful teachings like no one had ever heard taught before. Where people left and said they were amazed at not only his knowledge and passion, but how he was able to combine the story of the Old Testament and make it alive today. He took the Torah and helped me understand it. He took the Ten Commandments and helped me understand it. He took all of these epic prophetic teachings and helped me understand that was another part of Jesus' vision on how to share the gospel. And here we are in John chapter 12 at the culmination of his public ministry and he's asking, will you believe me? Will you submit? And it becomes a sentinel moment for many. Let's play a little Bible tennis. You remember what we're contrasting? Submission 
to Jesus Christ as Lord and resistance that Jesus Christ is not Lord. That I will obey him and I will not follow him. I choose you, Lord. Nope, not today. Not now, not ever. John chapter 12, verse 1, starts the tennis match with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It's a celebratory dinner where Jesus is coming back. He's on his way to Jerusalem. It says six days before the Passover. And he comes to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. John says. What a powerful way to start the last chapter when you're talking about the public ministry of Jesus. Let me tell you who this guy is. He's on his way. He's traveling. He's doing his thing. He's doing his Jewish thing. He's going towards Jerusalem, going for the Passover, doing the celebration. And he stops in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. They're having dinner in Jesus' honor. And during dinner, Martha was serving, Lazarus was reclining at the table, and Mary took a pint of, the Bible says, pure nard. Like super expensive lotion-y stuff. Smells amazing. She takes a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wipes his feet with her hair. And the house, John says, was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Submission or resistance? Complete submission. Beautiful action demanding whatever I have to give submission and John says the whole house was filled with the fragrance and I want to say this to us may everywhere we are be always filled with the beautiful fragrance of a life submitted to Jesus Christ so fragrant that it would fill the whole house and no one could escape its beauty. Submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. But the ball gets hit over the other court really quickly. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, was there, who was later going to betray him. He objected because the perfume could have been sold for a lot of money, and that money could have been given to the poor. But the subcontext here that John adds, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he always had his hand in the cookie jar. He always stole from the till. Submission or resistance? Don't forget who Judas was. Judas was handpicked by Jesus to be a follower. He had walked with Jesus for years and years and years and years. He had submitted, he had been in the presence of teachings and of miracles and of the divine and hearing the voice of God. And he had, been, he had seen it with his eyes. He had followed, but he had never submitted you see the difference? 
followership of Jesus, true followership, true Christianity is a daily, individual, sometimes moment-by-moment decision to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Who's going to make the decisions today? Who's going to inform you today? Who's going to help you decide what's wise today? Who's going to help you understand how to treat somebody today? Judas was a follower, but he never submitted. He resisted. Jesus comes to her defense and says, leave her alone, Judas. It was intended that she save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor, like you care about him anyway, is the subcontext. You'll always have the poor, but you will not always have me. And the tennis ball gets hit back to the other side again. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews, so now we got Mary, Martha, Lazarus, we got the disciples, we have Jesus, and now a large crowd of Jews, is the context here, found out that Jesus was there, and they came not only uh, because they wanted to see Lazarus, see it, they found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Submission or resistance? Submission. They wanted to see it with their eyes, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to see the man that Jesus raised from the dead? That's why Jesus did the miracles, to confirm the divine. To say, I am the I am. You can trust me, you can believe in me, you can put your hope in me, you can submit to me. I'm a good God. I care, I love I raised from the dead. The Jews came to see that, to confirm for themselves, and the ball gets hit back to the other side now. So the chief priest made a plan to kill Lazarus. This is craziness now. Has it just gotten completely out of hand? How hard will you resist? I'll tell you what, this Lazarus guy's caused a lot of trouble for me. We can't deny that he was dead. We can't now deny that he's alive. I know, let's kill him again. It's crazy. Sin makes us do crazy things. Crazy things. Who floated that idea? Who's who's the one that, yeah, I second that. Let's kill him. It's wild, the resistance and the lengths that we'll go to tell Jesus no. For on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. A power struggle. Will you resist Jesus or will you submit to Jesus? The next day, a great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and they took palm branches. And they went out before him to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Hosanna. Submission or resistance? Complete submission. Admitting the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The real kind of backstory is, 
They hoped that he would be a military leader that would overthrow the Romans and restore the Jews to, to great power in Jerusalem again. There, was just, there is some subcontext there, admittedly. But they saw Jesus, they admitted that he was the prophesied Messiah, that he was the one that Isaiah talked about, that he was the one to come. He was the chosen one of Israel. He was the holy one of God. And they came out in droves and lined the street with palm branches and sang praises to his name. Save us now, Jesus. Save us now. Jesus, in an act of great wisdom, mounted a young donkey as he rode into town. I know that you're looking for a military leader to submit to, but the colt says, I come in peace. No weapons, no swords, no banging of the, of the, the war drums. I come in peace, Jesus says. That's the type of lordship I bring. Now the crowd that was with him when they, uh, with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, they continued to spread the word. Submission or resistance? Complete submission. They knew what they knew, that they saw what they saw, and you can't deny it. So I want now everyone to see this guy. Is the salvation that you've received from Jesus something that you want to talk about? Is it something that you want to share? Is it something that you want to get in your safety deposit box and lock it and spin it and throw away the key and just keep it to yourself and holy huddle up until Jesus comes? Or is it something you, you know what you know about Jesus? You've seen what you've seen. You believe what you believe. And he's the savior of all, the Messiah to come. And I can't stop talking about him. I will live my life for Jesus. That's what's happening here. These people can't help but tell the truth about Jesus. Complete act of submission. And the ball quickly gets hit back into the resistance court. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Now the whole world has gone after him. We couldn't even kill Lazarus fast enough. Look, now he's riding this donkey through the streets and they're singing his praises. What are we going to do now? Now there were some Greeks, verse 20 says. So now remember we got Jesus, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Jews, Greeks, Pharisees. We got what John is saying is everybody was there. That's what John, everybody was there. You guys get me in this? Now there were some Greeks, verse 20, among them that went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, uh, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, who, and at their request said, Sir, would you, uh, we would like to see Jesus. So Philip went to Andrew. So it looks like the, the apostles were running some defense for Jesus there. It seemed like a lot of things were going on. There was kind of a, a, a check-in booth, almost. And Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a colonel, and this is what Steve preached on last week, unless a colonel dies and is buried, it can't raise and have the fruitful outcome. He's saying, I was intended to die. 
here is the ultimate. Again, we follow our leader, Jesus, submitting to the Father. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. This is the biggest, most important game of follow the leader you have ever played. It's never been more important than right now for us to act like Jesus, follow him, allow his words and his will and his ways to inform us about what's right and good. About what's wise and true. This is a critical time in John 12 as we watch Jesus submit to the Father. He's saying, anyone who serves me follows me. Act like I act. Talk like I talk. Get mad about the things I get mad about. Be joyful about the things I'm joyful about. Be generous in the ways that I'm generous. Take a stand how I take a stand. Submit to the Father as I do. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. Can you think of a better place? Can you think of a better place than right next to Jesus? If there ever was a base in tag, right next to Jesus is the ultimate base. You're safe. You're good. Nobody's going to get you. This is where everyone wants to be, and it's worth running and avoiding and not getting to whatever all this. Where Jesus is, where, where Jesus is, is where we want to be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Service is an act of submission. Submission. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. And God says from heaven, God says from heaven, the voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. Look at the submission resistance here. The crowd that was there that heard the voice said, Do you hear that thunder? Do you hear that thunder? And the submitting group that was there said, no, an angel had spoken. God had spoken. Do you see the resistance and submission tennis match that, that John is laying out? That after years of public ministry, after years of teaching, after years of preaching, after years of healing, after years of proclaiming, after years, now raise Lazarus from the dead and a voice from heaven comes down. Did you hear that thunder? That's where we are right now as we begin our text. In this choice, do you hear thunder or do you hear God? It's interesting because people say today, what's hindering you from believing in God? Well, if I just would hear his voice, well, that's not enough for a lot of people. The people there heard the audible voice of God. It wasn't enough. Oh, storms are coming. Hmm. Weird. Didn't think it was supposed to rain today. And they write it off. 
for those who hearts are willing to be given over to God, you submit to God. We are called to submit to God. The crowd says, will you stay with us forever? Jesus said, we heard uh, from the law of Moses that the Messiah will remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? When Jesus was saying lifted up, I think it's a, a double meaning. Not only in all of our lives must we lift up Jesus so that all could be called to him. The point of our service and submission to Jesus isn't for somebody to give us a star and an attaboy. Hey, nice one. The purpose of all of it is, is to show our submission to God so others would submit to God. We do what we do in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, for the good of God, for the salvation of all. We give as we've received. But it also means not only must be lifted up in our lives, but he was also telling them that he was actually and literally going to be lifted up on a tree to die. Jesus says, you're going to have the light for just a little while longer. Walk while you have light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in darkness does not know where they go. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left them and hid himself from them. Now for the verses that we're going to talk about today. Isn't it worth it though? to know what we're talking about? This epic, eternal, personal tennis match of going. Have you felt this yourself? Have you ever resisted Jesus Christ and said, no, not today? Have you ever submitted to Jesus Christ and said, you're my Lord and Savior? The point is we battle in this area that John chapter 12 is in the depths of. It's hard for us egotistical, whatever, megalomaniac, narcissistic, all about me, humans to bow down to anyone. And the only person that we're to bow to is Jesus Christ. And John is saying, with a preponderance of evidence, you are still resisting God. Or, because of the preponderance of evidence, you are submitting to God. And there's only two camps in this joint. Either you're submitting or you're resisting. And I want to add something here. This is the main point I want to make today. If you're in the submitting camp, it's submitting as you repent. And submitting as you repent. That's what submission is. It doesn't mean perfect living. It's not possible. It means a continual reflection and repentance as we ask God to be the Lord of our life. And, and you say, God, what are we working on today? And what, what are you going to give God today? What, what area of your life that you've resisted are you willing to repent of now? Because the path of followership of Jesus Christ is a path of continual repentance as he makes us more and more and more into his image. None of us are born perfect, and none of us die perfect, but in an act of submission, we say, God, I trust you to make me more like you, and I will do what you do, and I will follow you, and I will serve you, and you are where I want to be. 
You are who I want to become. So when we say resistance, you're telling God no. When we're saying submission, it's a continual... If you walk in the light as He is in the light, we continually have fellowship with one another and we continually have the forgiveness of sins. John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we make God out to be a liar because everybody knows it ain't true. Because we're broken. And nobody needs Jesus more than me. Verse 37, you can hear now John as he concludes this chapter, the final public ministry of Jesus Christ. He's sitting there in his office thinking, how am I going to type this out? How am I going to make, how, how am I going to help people understand that at some point Jesus had to do what he came to do? At some point, he couldn't talk forever. If raising Lazarus from the dead and water to wine and giving sight to the blind and healing the paralyzed and teaching the teachings that made sense and making the Old Testament alive again and, and confessing that he is Lord and the Messiah and I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection. At some point, Jesus has to come to do what he came to do. And it's true for us. We won't always have time to submit to God, but you have right now, will today be the day? Whatever the area, will you give it to Him? Will today be the day of salvation for you? Will you finally submit to the Lord? And John comes to verse 37, and he says this, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still wouldn't believe in him. Resistance to the very end. John moves into quoting the messianic prophet Isaiah the prophet that wrote more about Jesus than any prophet ever. He starts quoting from these epic scriptures that these people knew by memory. And he started equating these things to Jesus. And I hope the lights were coming on. Jesus or uh, John takes scripture from Isaiah and puts it into the present tense. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And in the context of Isaiah chapter 53, in, this, in, this, in the context of what John is intending, the answer to that question, uh, who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The rhetorical answer is, who cares? Nobody cares is the rhetorical answer. When you look back at Isaiah, that's what the prophet is saying. I've extended myself and nobody cares. I've shown myself and it didn't move them off of square one. They won't admit that I am who I am. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And John goes on to say, for this reason, they couldn't believe. 
because they had hardened their hearts. And it's where Isaiah says elsewhere, he's blinded their eyes. And this is what I'm saying. It's really hard to pick up in John chapter 12, verse 37, and not be a little irritated at God. Because what he says right here in verse 40, that God, John quoting the prophet Isaiah, the Messiah prophet, the guy who talked about Jesus all the time, he says here, he, God, has blinded their eyes, he's hardened their hearts, so they could neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, or turn, and I would heal them. If you just picked up right there, what are some real thoughts you're thinking? Well, shoot, that ain't fair. Doesn't sound like love to me. Who's this guy think he is? So much for second chances, so much for mercy, so much for grace. I guess God's just going to write people off. It's hard to pick up right here and understand the context of what's going on and not be a little irritated that God is spiting, smiting people. He's just sending them off to die. But that's not the context of John chapter 12. And to understand, you've got to understand the context is that after years and years and years of preaching, he raises Lazarus from the dead and these hard hearts decide the best course of action is to kill Lazarus. And maybe the problem will go, that's hard hearts. That's rock hard hearts. That's cold and black hearts. And so in that situation, God gives them what they're asking for. You want to go down this road? Then go. I can't stop you anymore. Is that who I am to you? Dang, off you go. And it's true with us. To whom has the arm of the Lord been extended? To whom has the Lord been revealed? Has the Lord been revealed to you? Have you witnessed God? Are you in search of God? Are you seeking God? Are you quizzical about God? Then, then man, march on that road and God will reveal himself. God wants to be known. Jesus wants to save. There is today. But if you're going to resist at some point, we all as people have got to stop pleasing each other and start deciding to please God. End of the day. Jesus says, I'm going to please the Father. Jesus wasn't happy about this. This wasn't an oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'll show you. It's the same word and the same verbiage that's used in the Exodus story as Moses is pleading with Pharaoh. And after the fifth or sixth, I can't remember, plague that Moses is trying to use to convince Pharaoh to submit and allow his people to go, Finally, the Bible finally says that God hardened his heart. He just let him go where he was going. That if all of these things aren't going to convince you that I am who I say I am, and it's true for us, God will not make you love him. He won't. There is a time that every knee will bow. I believe that. In Isaiah chapter 6, and this is what we'll conclude with today, it's one of the passages that John quotes. We're talking about submission or resistance. In the year, this is Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah t uh, preaching and prophesying, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple 
Above him were seraphim, angels, and they had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. It's a moment. Isaiah's in a moment. Isaiah, this is how his, how does he respond? Will he resist or will he submit? He falls down and says, woe to me, I cry, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. The seraphim flew to him, flew to me with a live burning coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Messiah is coming. He will forgive. All are welcome. You must submit. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Complete submission to God. Take, I'll do it. Pick me. I've seen the glory of God, and now I will live in the glory of God. We are never meant to just know the Bible. We are meant to be changed by it and live by it. People will know that we are Christians by our love. It's active he said, go and tell the people, be ever hearing and never understanding, be ever seeing, never perceiving, making the heart of his people calloused and the ears dull and to close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. And then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted, the fields are ruined and ravaged until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will be again laid to waste. But as the terebinth and the oak still leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be a stump in the land. You want to walk away? Go. But it's not going to mess with my story, Jesus says. The final point I want to make is the response of the people. I want to tell you that I do believe that God at times uses holy judgment to allow people to go where they're going in a hopes that they'll return. I believe that that's true. You want to go and do your thing, man, I can't stop you. Shoot, I wish you wouldn't. But I think this was more of a problem that they would not believe than it was a problem of they could not believe. It says just as much in verse 42. Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. 
But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Will you resist God today? Or will you submit and repent before God today? Repentance is change. Confession is admission. Repentance is change. God is asking for change. None of us can be, have to be afraid of change. We're asked to change every day. To become more and more like Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus' private ministry. The last several chapters, we're going to start that in John chapter 13, again with another epic teaching of Jesus washing feet. Will you read John chapter 13 as we begin to think about our preaching time next week? Be blessed by the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord today. God loves you. We talked in class today about Luke chapter 15. Give me an evaluation of how much God loves me. God loves you as much as Jesus because he gave Jesus for you. That's his evaluation of your worth. You are loved. Will you resist or will you submit? Our Father in heaven, may our hearts be wise to your words and may our knees be quick to submit and our minds quick to give all glory to you and may our lips be quick to sing your praises may your words rest in our hearts and may truth be known by us through jesus christ we pray amen may you be blessed this week with the word of the lord we are always meant to live in community that's why god established the church christianity is a team sport living in community to live it together Let's talk about these things. Let's communicate about these things. Let's bounce these things. And I tell you, if, if I said anything that wasn't right, I, I, please forgive me. But if it was true and if it was of the Lord, then let's, let's obey these words, all of us together. Let's stand and sing the theology.